You are listening to Written on Water, a podcast about death, life, and all the layers in between. I believe that by learning how to die well, we learn how to live and love completely. So listen and learn. Mindfulness. It's quite a buzzword, isn't it? By definition, it is the practice of maintaining a non-judgmental state of heightened awareness of one's thoughts, emotions, or experiences. That's a mouthful, huh? To be totally honest, that was my state of being as a caregiver for Tomas. I had no choice but to be painstakingly in the present, to watch his deterioration and experience the extreme emotions that followed. Nothing else mattered but his care. Yet most people are so distracted. Being present, conscious, and aware is hard work and must be practiced. So to get a closer look at this cognizance, I brought one of my oldest friends on board, Matteo. Welcome, Matteo. Hello, thank you. Yeah, welcome. Um, So you have quite an interesting background as a healer, social worker, and so many other things. And we've known each other for, gosh, I think 30 years, something like that. (laughs) It's been a long, long time been quite a while. Yeah. So can you tell us about, you know, your, what you're up to right now and um, what you've been witnessing with young people, that kind of thing? Sure. Um, so a lot of my work is centered around deep listening and helping people build connection and empathy and putting into practice on a daily basis, the things that are most important to them. So I work as a healer and also as an artist, and uh, my training is as a clinical social worker, amongst other things. And um, I do consulting and coaching with folks and helping them individually and collectively to um, kind of learn and practice what's useful and helpful for them. I do a lot of clinical counseling um, and work on college campuses. So as you mentioned, Uh, Thinking about what's happening for young adults and people in college life is something that's interesting to me these days. And of course, uh, I bring mindfulness and uh, related skills into all of that. Um, Essentially, I'm in the human reality business. (laughs) That's a Um, a fascinating world to be in, isn't it? Yeah. So (laughs) so many aspects of our human reality are, are not acknowledged and not discussed. And so then we don't have a chance to develop skills. Right. So... I'm inspired by so many other amazing teachers and helpers uh, that have come before me to bring things into conversation and to build awareness and connection so um, we can live through our lives and, and, and beyond um, kind of more fully and more um, effectively and hopefully more joyfully. Um, I think that's a really great goal, I have to say. Um. Yeah, that... that <laughs> And it really hinges on being present. And as you mentioned, um, in, in the challenges and the um, struggles that we face individually and collectively, there's times when we have to really dial it in and get super clear and get super focused in order to get shit done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's messy and sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's an intense. Um, but then through mindful practice and through other, um, levels of awareness, we're able to create options and opportunities. You know, a lot of my training in the last 10 years has been focused on really understanding how 
the brain and the body and the being all work to communicate and how we can really optimize that. And really from the cellular level all the way to, um, you know, interactions in the wider world, dealing with life events and even things beyond our control. So I'm curious. I mean, you hear mindfulness every other word these days and it, it's so it's popular and it's trendy and there are apps for it. You know, it seems like it's talked about in the news all the time. Do you buy into this trend or what is your interpretation of it? Well, from a mindful standpoint, I would say yes, because it exists. It's part of reality. Mm -hmm. uh, mindfulness and, and mindful approaches have absolutely spread and uh, been incorporated all the way into popular culture and social media. And of course, there's applications and businesses that look to utilize that to gain customers. And, you know, as you mentioned, there's apps and, and online resources, and all of that can be a wonderful resource, depending on where you're at in your life and what's happening. Maybe connecting uh, into a mindful or meditation practice through an app could be really useful to you. And there are some good ones out there, and a lot of them are free or low cost. Mm -hmm. I will say, though, that um, just to acknowledge that these are these are well-tested um, traditions that come from far and wide around the globe and have been in practice for thousands of years. So our wonderful technological advances um, can help to speed up that access. Uh, but as you know, there's nothing uh, different. There's nothing compared to sitting in presence with another person. So listening in person and looking in person and being present in, you know, one-on-one -on -one with someone in a conversation or as a caregiver or a supporter, or even being part of a community or being in nature, right. you know, our brains and bodies don't always know the difference between uh, watching a video of Mount Everest or climbing Mount Everest in real life, <laughs> but I think there's some essential differences. <laughs> there are a few. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one would be physical exertion, but. <laughs> uh right. Right, because that brings in all of the sensory information. Yeah. And so much of mindful practice is about connecting through our senses and being connected in this expansive human reality, all of our thoughts and feelings, all of our sensations, all of our memories, all of the imprint that we have received through our family of origin, um, our, our ancestral DNA, everything that's happening in the world. Um, it's, it can be quite overwhelming and there's a lot of filtering and focusing that our brains and bodies have to do all the time. And mindfulness and meditation practice uh, will give us an opportunity to access that more and to choose more, to guide the mind, to um, engage the body in ways that we really are designed to do and to be. So do you think that this mindfulness practice is becoming so trendy at this moment because we are becoming more detached from being grounded, you know, from ourselves, from community. Cause I'm sure you see that with the youngsters at, on college campuses. Do you think that dependence on gadgets and technology are leading to a detachment of sorts? I mean, we're dating online, we're meeting friends online, we're doing everything online, you know, and um, I have a feeling it leads to some, some sort of loneliness and a solitude that maybe people don't realize or because it's so accepted, you know? So do you think that a mindfulness practice reconnects people to that sense of community or what's, what's your opinion on that? Well, as, as I'm hearing you pose that question, I'm thinking about balance. Mm -hmm. 
So ultimately, we have the chance to create balance in our lives and in our communities. And again, all of our technology and innovation is amazing. And I'm so grateful. Look, we're, we're doing a podcast from, from the East Coast and the West Coast at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. And at the same time, with, with, a, uh, with the practice of balance and connection, we can also be um, aware of our own physical experience and we can be connected to the natural world. So um, for people of all ages and, you know, college students are usually kind of young adults, you know, 18 to 25. But I think, you know, these questions are relevant all the way down to newborn children and even to our elders. So um, our our interest and our response to screens and to visual information and uh, visual processing is really exciting. Mm -hmm. And our specific signaling processes that happen in the brain through that. But there are also really essential um, pathways that need to be rehearsed and developed and practiced uh, through listening and through looking and through touching and also through stillness and through silence. Those are integral in our existence on the planet. As much as we have to have seasons, we have to have night and day. And, and as much as we have birth and death as part of our essential nature. So the the technology is wonderful in perspective and with balance without that connection to ourselves and to each other directly into the natural world. I think it does raise a lot of concerns and we do see this in learning environments. So in schools and colleges and universities, um, there are, you know, questions now about how people are actually accessing information and learning and participating and how, you know, you might be able to do a whole four-year degree online and just be part of a conference call every now and then, or maybe do a low residency experience. And that creates great opportunities and, you know, accessibility to education. But the, the interpersonal connectedness and the, the grounding in the real human experience, I think, is a little bit um, less connected. And then also with all of the social media and kind of the rapid fire access of information, our brains and bodies are often in an agitated state and responding um, through the sympathetic nervous system in a response to stress. Mm-hmm. And so we need to balance that. We all need to balance that for ourselves and to support each other to um, find moments of stillness and focus and mindfulness practice and meditation can be part of that as well as any any kind of moving uh, movement method or exercise method and getting out into nature uh-huh. and, you know, turning off our devices. <laughs> yeah. That's not easy these days. A break from all of that barrage of information so that we can kind of rebalance for ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it really, when you're saying those, the comments that you just mentioned, you know, cause when I think back to college and I don't think about what I studied, I think about the friendships and the connections and the community I made. And yeah. it's kind of sad to think that people might not have that experience at all if they're doing a fully online degree. And I think that also goes for, you know, like mindfulness apps and things like that. Again, like when you're in yoga and uh, in meditation with a group, it's a very different experience um, to have all of that energy come together than to be at your house on an app with headphones. And anything to get you still and clear your mind for a few minutes is helpful. But, um, and I personally, I think, you know, this for me really makes me think about when people are going through grief and trauma um, or trying to grasp with mental illness, 
Do you think that this lack of connection and community is also detrimental? I mean, I think the having access to information and resources is always great. And, and I think as a global community, we want to support that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when things matter most, we need to have direct connection with each other right. and have the presence and the willingness and the practice and the skill to have conversation, to listen, to reflect without judgment, to be able to notice thoughts and emotions as they arise without reacting mm-hmm. or uh, creating judgments or interpretations. And that level of discernment, that level of awareness is something that I think we can learn and develop uh, more effectively and, and integrate more in the same way that, you know, people do internships. Mm-hmm. You learn by thing and you learn from experts or from elders or from people who have already developed a a level of proficiency. So uh, watching a a TED talk or listening to a podcast and using an app can be wonderful. Uh And I agree with you that we need to put ourselves in contact with other human beings and the natural world. Um, So being part of a a collective group practice or, uh, you know, being involved in a yoga class or Tai Chi or Qigong, um, doing any kind of dance or movement that's part of a, a group or community, um, taking walks in nature with people and maybe not even talking, but just being present together and listening. Mm-hmm. are all ways that we can cultivate awareness and connect with our senses in a way that will help us so that when tough times hit, because they do, and you know that and I know that, mm-hmm and um, stress and um, struggles and also shock and grief and loss are part of the human story. And um, when I think of ways that people have always come together and gathered in support with each other and all the rituals and ceremonies and all the sanctity that we bring into uh, the birthing process and the dying process, that's all about connectedness. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think we can practice that in daily life so that when tough times hit, we're more prepared to be resilient and to be connected. No, I think, I think those are all good points. I mean, I know when I was dealing with my brother dying, um, just like I said, I, I didn't have a choice but to be present. It was, there wasn't any option because he was, his situation was changing constantly. And I had to be as agile as his illness in a strange way. And so I had to be, I couldn't think about anything else. You know, I had to be there, focused, concentrated on him. And luckily people like you and other good friends were really supportive and kept me down to earth in a sense, (laughs) you know, making sure there are a couple of other little distractions um, to help keep me centered. And I also used to take some time for myself in the morning before he woke up so that I could just move a little bit, walk the dog, Here's some meditations from my favorite Buddhist teacher. And it helped a lot to just have those little tiny little practices, but it was almost being present in the most intense possible way. So I almost needed a break from it in a way. Yeah. And, and, and being present allows us to notice and to observe and to activate that part of our consciousness that is the observer and the witness so that we can see what's happening and then we can make informed choices and we can respond effectively. So, you know, faced with caregiving and, and um, end of life process, you know, all the emotions that come up for people and all of the, the stress and um, 
lack of predictability or even, you know, lack of safety, uh, you know, for, for you or the person that you're caring for, uh, there's a need to uh, kind of get into, you know, kind of like when people get in the zone as like a, as an athlete or as an artist or musician, you're kind of, you know, you're almost like in a high, you have a heightened state of awareness and that helps you really make each move skillfully. So, um, so much in, um, you know, in mindfulness practice and, and um, traditions are about being effective. And it's not about getting results necessarily, but really doing what works in the moment and acting skillfully in response in the, you know, in the same way, um, you know, that, uh, a, a, you know, the captain of a ship or a sailor is navigating and really, you know, intuitively connected with the, the shifting tides and the current, the movement of the wind, the kind of the sounds and the feel of the equipment. So when we get connected in that way and we're really present, we are able to um, be skillful and effective and um, kind of move through with, I, I almost want to say a level of grace. Yeah. And it's, it's almost really in a strange way. It's an efficiency of the mind when you think yeah. about it, because you become so attuned to these different signals that possibly you were never aware of before. I, I, there were so many things that I didn't even notice or hear or smell until I came to the situation and I had to listen to my brother's breathing. You know, so I was so focused on his breathing sounds to make sure A, they didn't cease or B, that he wasn't choking on anything. But um, those tiny little whispers became such a big deal to me. So it really honed in my senses in so many ways. Right. And, and connecting with breathing is something, you know, I think that we can all practice and whether we don't need an app for that. We are the app. <laughs> <laughs> right? we, have, we have this constant tide, this flow of, of, of inhaling and exhaling that's been happening before we were born. Mm -hmm. We'll continue all the way through into our final breaths. And then another pattern and another, you know, tide will, will take us. But, you know, in all of our, um, challenging moments, having that awareness of breathing um, can be such a useful way. And, and I, I hear what you're saying about the awareness of other people breathing yeah. and what's happening for them. And then what happens, you know, there's a, a synergy. I think there's a magic that when we come together, you know, as family members, as friends, as community members, or even people who are, um, you know, practicing or supporting a practice together. So linking up our energy and, and those, cycles of breath and that attention and that connection into the physical reality, it gives us access. It really is an incredible portal. And it doesn't surprise me that, you know, how you've described having just heightened senses and uh, almost a surprising level of alertness. Yeah. And it's weird, like just on our, you know, on our daily walks, the birds are so much louder than I'd ever realized, you know, just the, those kinds of sounds that have always been there all of a sudden are so loud to me and they're beautiful sounds too at that, you know, I mean, a bird chirping and chatting uh, <laughs> is the coolest sound to me now that I truly hear it. And, and right. And there's a joy in there. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of teachings from different traditions about having childlike wonder or kind of beginner's mind. So we invite ourselves to notice and experience sensations and observations as if we've never noticed them before, as if we were literally just arriving on planet earth for the first time and hearing a bird. 
or um, sensing the ground beneath our feet or holding a, a tiny object, you know, if it could be um, a tissue in our hand or a feather or a leaf and just feeling the weight of it and appreciating the contour and the texture and the color and just everything that we can experience and perceive as a kind of essential pure experience without a story, without an association, without an identification, but just as pure information. And what was so interesting is to observe my brother in his, you know, transitional state. I mean, he was probably the purest soul I'd personally observed because this was my first uh, observance of a death close up and slow, you know. Um, so to see his purity, the purity in his actions and his soul, it was exactly what you're saying. It was very much a new beginner's world for him. You know, he was grasping at things and wide eyed and just such a different person in many ways when right. he was in that transitional state and hearing, I talk many times about him talking to my parents because I think he was in such a pure state that he could communicate with other channels, you know? Mm. And it makes me wonder how little of the brain we are using <laughs> in our current form, you know, and well, what I don't mindfulness know. can do to tap that. Yeah, I don't know what the latest research might say, but let's just agree that we are incredibly full of potential yeah. and and we have an opportunity to unlock that and to discover it and share with each other in our lives on this planet and beyond. So, um, yeah, and, you know, when I when I think about, you know, what you're talking about um, observing with Tomas is that, you know, at a certain point we come to acceptance and we come to an appreciation of the fact that that in many, many moments and many times in our lives, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing broken, that it is as it is, and we can shift into a state of acceptance, which creates so much ease. Yeah. And feel it in our bodies. It's like a cascade. It's like a waterfall. Entering into a state of acceptance and ease means there's no more burden. There's no more battle. And, you know, there's, there's only a, a place of being present. And, and I would invite people to contemplate how to incorporate that into their daily life now. Like, let's not wait till we're, you know, far along and, you know, in towards the end of our, our, you know, living experience. Let's, let's bring that into our everyday, into our classrooms, into our community centers, into, you know, all the places where people gather. Can we kind of get into those places of acceptance um, without the pressure and the judgment and the expectations and all the fear and all the anxiety and all the, you know, it's called by so many names and so many traditions, the monkey mind and the mental chatter, you know, it's useful when we have to, you know, scramble to get to the store before it closes and remember what's on our shopping list. Right. But we need, to, we can take a moment and we can let go of all of that and just appreciate, you know, and just kind of, um, you know, tap into that level of, um, you know, the okayness or the, I don't know, just the, the way of being that is not uh, based in distress. Yeah. And, and that's actually in the last podcast I did with Lama Pat, a Buddhist teacher, she was talking about the teachings of um, Tenzin Palmo, who hung out in the cave for 10 years, unbelievably. Yeah. And her biggest learning and teaching was that it's okay to not be okay. And that I think is completely in line with what you're talking about as far as acceptance, you know, and the acceptance that life is never going to go how you want it to. 
constructing a plan is just an idea, but it's not the, the end all be all, you know, and, and accepting that life has its twists and turns, failures and sadness, that's all part of being human. And it's all temporary. Right. So yeah, we, we, we is as we is. We be as we... <laughs> exactly. Um, my, uh, one of my most amazing teachers is Eleonora Amandalara and, and she likes to use the phrase that, you know, the isness, like the is, it just is mm-hmm. life is death is struggle is beauty is pain is it all is, it's all true. It's all real. Um, and so um, acceptance means just being, being with what is um, without any attachment, any valuing or judgment or just, you know, kind of, trying to decipher what's good or bad or right or wrong it just is what it is and um you know we can still have our favorite flavors and we can still make our choices and we can still maintain healthy boundaries and relationships it's just that we can do that in a way that works because we're not getting caught up and stuck and then missing out on all the other subtle stuff um well you know i think society sort of instills in us this prescribed nature right Mm-hmm. You're supposed to get married. You're supposed to have kids. You're supposed to have this kind of a job. And I think that's getting, it's slowly breaking, you know, those ideals from our parents' universe. Um, right. And they're starting to break down and form into new ideals and norms, right? Absolutely. Um, a, lot of, a lot of what I'm on uh, with people every day is understanding that some of that conditioning, that social, cultural, historical programming evolved for the sole purpose of survival mm-hmm. and safety in the face of fear. Right. And have the opportunity to, to, again, to be mindful of that and acknowledge that we are human. We have, we inherited the same kind of DNA that's been passed along for thousands of years mm-hmm. and comes with it an energetic imprint and conditioning um, that happened to our mother's 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 mother and our father's 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 father and all the people around us. And so we can acknowledge that and make space and choose effectively in the present moment. So as much as the past um, sets up a foundation, when we get present in the center of our being in the moment, um, we can choose what our pathway looks like. And you know, as we know now in 2019, there are so many healthy, viable, and available choices that don't follow kind of a kind of survival paradigm that we may have inherited from history. Right, right. And I think just having those options and having looser guidelines can help people with acceptance of the way life is, you know. Right. And then to be able to talk about the things as they are and, you know, as you've shared and discussed on this podcast about being able to have conversations that are important now and not waiting till later to talk about the fears and talk about the um, the experiences or the concerns that people may have um, at any point in their life and time and not just kind of keeping up appearances, not just, you know, shoving things off and avoiding them until it's the very last minute and then falling to pieces. Um, we don't have to keep up a veneer. We don't have to um, only, you know, project happiness or perceived happiness. It's okay for us to be real. It's okay for us to um, honor our own experiences and then allow those connections to happen with other folks, family and friends and neighbors and community members so that 
we're not isolated and we're not disconnected um, and or, kind of or always, or always desiring an insta perfect life, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a major challenge um, for so many young adults is the, you know, as they're really just beginning to navigate and learn how to navigate um, life more independently. Um, again, we know that the, the human brain is still evolving and building physical structures all the way through age 25 and mm -hmm. possibly even longer if there's been exposure to substances or any kind of traumatic experiences. So, you know, young adults are facing all this independence and freedom, but yet they're interpreting the messaging, you know, the insta-perfect, you know, everything is happy and sunny and smiling and photoshopped to look mm -hmm. a certain way. Yeah. And, we don't honor the fact that life is messy and sometimes shit happens and, and we have really scary moments and that is um, all part of reality as well. Yeah. No, I hear you. I absolutely <laughs> get it. <laughs> so I have a couple questions that I ask every guest and you know, <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening. <laughs> You've been listening. Thank you for listening. Um, so one of them is, is basically what is your personal vision of the afterlife? The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I know this is an interesting question for you with all of your healer lessons and teachings and understandings of the universe, which it's pretty complex. Right. <laughs> so. And, you know, as, as I think people who know me have heard me say before, which is, I think it's hard to, you know, talk about the infinite using our slightly limited earth languages. Um, yeah. Let me just sit with that for a moment and, and say that, um, you know, you know, we mentioned before about the patterns and cycles of breathing. So if our living and dying are somehow relatable to the fact that we're constantly inhaling and exhaling, then of course there's more. And, you know, the specific shape and, and aspect of, uh, you know, what happens when we're beyond these physical human bodies that we're in now in this dimension, you know, the, there are so many, kind of uh, wisdom traditions and, um, you know, uh, ways of, of viewing and appreciating. And as other, other folks have shared with you on the podcast about even just looking at it from a scientific viewpoint about, you know, energy and existence that, um, you know, things may change and evolve and take different shape and form, but the kind of the essence and the energy and the existence that we tap into is, is, infinite and unlimited. So um, I think what I'll say next is just that when we consider afterlife or what happens after death, maybe we can begin to just uh, loosen some of the judgments and fears that we've picked up from society and culture and history and um, tap in more to the, the interconnectedness that really is the greater truth. Um, you know, as I hear from my teacher and probably from others as well, is that the, the greater truths will dissolve the lesser truths. So we're part of an, an extended family of um, living beings on a planet and a solar system and a galaxy and a universe and all of our different theories about, you know, dimensions and um, other aspects of reality. So the answer is yes, there's more. 
um, for me, just in, you know, in my work as a healer and uh, as a channel, there's, there's guidance that I've received and been able to help share with other folks that really just speaks to the fact that we are in motion and that in the same way that we are born into our human bodies, we will be born out of them or die out of them and then born into um, another uh, energetic space that then creates more options and opportunities. So as I've experienced that uh, working with people through end of life and actually even transitioning and assisting kind of as they shift out of this dimension and, and kind of into a greater space, um, which of course I know sounds kind of witchy woo woo, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, really? Yeah. Yeah. We say that because there's so many people that can't accept what they don't see. Right. So most yeah. of this fear comes out of the unknown and, and, and which is really ironic because religion and faith is the unknown. You know, the proverbial God is the unknown, but people believe that, but they, they don't leave the acceptance and space for other possibilities. Right. And, and I, and I think that, um, you know, so many people who have been able to maintain or reclaim, um, some of kind of deep wisdom traditions and indigenous knowledge and kind of earth-based and star-based beliefs, um, I think through that, we're able to see just more kind of expansion. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of history of teachings and fear and control and conditioning on this planet. We, we know that. Um, and we're always going to be a little bit vulnerable and susceptible to that because we're human and we can kind of build practice to get into a greater space. Um, and, you know, ultimately, that's what happens anyways. You know, I think some of the wisest teachers and, and guides that have kind of walked along the planet here over the millennia have really spoken to that about just kind of, um, you know, putting the practices of, of integration and integrity and connection into our daily lives. And at the point where we're ready to shift out of our physical bodies, then it really can be effortless and we shift into um, a much greater space. And, um, you know, the, all the physical descriptions about, you know, <laughs> you know, what the afterlife might look like and, you know, are there houses or space <laughs> or, you know, are we riding around on flying dinosaurs? I would say, yes, it's all of that because we are in consciousness and we are in that place of creation. Mm-hmm. So we might choose that for ourselves, from our higher self, from our um, enlightened consciousness. And and there is a central kind of organizing principle around all of the dimensions and, and multiverse of, of, of consciousness to which we kind of emanate and then return. And, um, you know, I guess I think, you know, kind of releasing the fear about that. And if um, I'm sitting here now speaking with you and I don't know for sure what I'm going to eat tomorrow or the next day, but I know that I will be nourished. And so in the same way, I don't know exactly all the details of what will happen beyond life in this physical body. But at the same time, I have a knowing of connection and a, and a, and a 
sense of belonging to something greater than myself. So, um, so the answer is yes. And (laughs) (laughs) I I haven't died. Well, in this current life, I haven't died yet. So I really don't have too many insights, but I would, I haven't, I have images of what I'd like to happen, you know, and I saw my brother just fly off into the universe in the different energy form. I felt a great sense of peace. So I think the fear, my fear of death is, uh, has vanished pretty much. Um, but I, you know, I would love to think of hanging out at a bar with him, having a gin and tonic, you know, mom, dad, and my bro, Nobi, <laughs> sitting around with a, having a cocktail with him, catching up on what right. he's up and, to, you know. Right. That, that embodies the energy of connection. Yeah. We are, if we are infinitely interconnected, then that is already happening. Yeah. And so, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Bottoms up, right? <laughs> And actually, that probably segues into my final question that I ask everybody. Um, you know, considering your life experience and what you've been through in your lifetime, what is the most important piece of advice you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, you know, I would say that there, there, there are so many options and opportunities. And uh, I guess I'll, I'll share two thoughts. One being that um, when we get really kind of still and and quiet and centered with our own self something always emerges there's a a knowing or a wisdom or a a goal or an intuitive feeling and I would encourage us all to keep practicing accessing that um, using the information of the body and the senses and the natural world and uh, less so the you know the meanderings of the mind that kind of muddle things up and get us into trouble Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm fully invested in, in being alive and well mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in our bodies in this moment and, and really exploring what, what health and wellness and being mindful means on a daily basis from what we eat and how we live and how we move and how we breathe. Um, but I'm also thinking of a, a phrase that's a, a, attributed to Thich Nhat Hanh and um, the idea being that that I am going to die and you are going to die. And all we have is this moment. And so we can kind of tune into what matters most. And um, I think that's that appreciation of being connection, being in connection, being connected with our eyes open, our hearts open, with our arms open, you know, to embrace life and living and dying exactly as it is. And to, tune into what matters most and then do it. <laughs> All right. I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. Let's see if people can practice it. Sure. And, you know, then hopefully they can find good uh, inspiration along the way. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate your insights into the universe and beyond. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm Michelle Mathai, and you've been listening to Written on Water. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until soon.